Hi, Inside the Groove listeners. I don't have a Madonna episode for you this week. I'm working on a really big project which will cover the Evita period, and it will be about the film, about the soundtrack, and of course about Madonna's recordings. That's coming soon, and in the meantime, rather than you go without, I'm letting you have an episode of my other podcast, Inside the Hits, and this is about the song All That She Wants by Ace of Bass. Inside the Hits is a podcast which covers classic pop tunes from the past 50 years. Each episode takes a specific song, breaks it down, and tells its history. You'll hear the song as never before through the use of multi-track recordings and stories from the people in the studio. All That She Wants by Ace of Bass was first released as a single in the band's native Sweden on 31st of August 1992. Over the next two years, it would become a worldwide smash, developing into one of the most memorable songs of the 1990s and reigniting interest in the Swedish music scene. It was number one in a total of 13 countries, including Australia, Canada, Germany and Italy. And in the UK, it spent three weeks at the top of the charts in May 1993. In the US, it would be the ninth biggest single of 1994, and by the close of the decade would sell close to 4 million copies across the globe. Impressive chart performance aside, it would kickstart the career for the band, who would have an interesting history. Initially, a brother and two sisters, the members have changed over the years. But this song also influenced a number of key artists from recent times, including Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, and even alternative act Beck. What many believe to be a fundamental misunderstanding of the English word baby led to confusion over the song's meaning. Though in some ways this only led further to its success and is part of the reason it's so well remembered today. The song's distinctive reggae beat would spurn a number of similar sounding songs, but it actually started life as a more rap based song, while a tape stuck in a car stereo would lead the band to working with a producer who would transform its sound. I'll be playing the original demo and elements from the multi-track recording to tell the story of the song as we go Inside the Hits. Inside the Hits is free, and to keep it that way, you can become a patron or make a one-off donation. Patrons get extra content, and I'll be letting you know the content about this episode at the end of the recording. If you want to help out, just head to insidethehits.co.uk and follow the links. 
As I said in the intro, All That She Wants was an enormous hit around the globe, and I know that it really resonates with people who were probably around their pre-teen years when it first came out. And if that sounds like a slight, please don't get me wrong, part of why I enjoy doing this podcast is not just to break down the science of why a song was hit, but also take a, a sort of deeper look into its structure to find out why it resonated with the audience and its lasting effect on the music scene. Well, let's start by finding out a bit more about Ace of Bass, a band whose lineup changed over the years, but were originally formed by a brother and sister, and another sister, and a close friend. Jonas Bröglin had been in a number of Swedish synth-pop bands throughout the late 1980s, eventually forming a new band in 1987 with his friends Johnny Linden and Nicholas Trunk, and I apologise if I'm getting these Swedish pronunciations wrong. They went through a few names, but Kalanin Prospect was the one that stuck. Jonas's sisters, Lynn and Jenny, joined as singers. Lynn, whose full name is Malin Sophia Katrina Berggren, was a blonde, while her sister Jenny Cecilia Berggren had dark hair. The ABBA similarities didn't end there, as Jenny also has a mezzo-soprano vocal range, the same as Frida, the redhead from ABBA. Anyway, when Johnny and Nicholas failed to turn up for a gig, it was clear that they no longer wanted to be part of the outfit, so Jonas asked his friend Ulf Uckberg to join. It was Ulf that came up with the name Ace of Bass, after toying with an idea based around the Motorhead song Ace of Spades. They began to record tracks in a studio next to a Jamaican reggae band, who in turn inspired their own brand of pop as the two genres were fused together. Well, after struggling for a few years and a bit of trouble launching their debut single, Wheel of Fortune, which flopped on its first release by a Danish label, it was eventually a hit in that country in the July of 1992. These days, the phrase Swedish pop is synonymous with the very best of the genre. Producers such as Bloodshine Avant and of course the ubiquitous Max Martin have produced some of the greatest pop music from the 1990s onwards and cooler bands such as Roiksop and Robin are responsible for more cutting edge sounds which still focuses on melody and harmony. I could do a whole episode about the great stuff to come from Scandinavia but I have to admit that it's not really as my knowledge as much as some. However, the success of Swedish music can of course be traced back to ABBA who perfected the genre before many of today's stars were even born. When ABBA went on hiatus at the end of 1982, their music kind of became forgotten. It was almost an embarrassment to admit to liking them. In fact, it took 10 years before they were reappraised. And in that time, we had new Swedish pop in the form of bands like Europe, of the final countdown fame, and of course, Roxette. But these weren't cool acts, their sound wasn't cool, and they weren't pushing pop forward. Now, I may not have cared that much for all that she wants on its release, but it's clear now that it's this song, 
which really made a difference, as the emphasis was just as much on the production as the songwriting. Like ABBA, Ace of Bass saw the song as a whole. The choice of drum beat was as important as a pre-chorus tune, and that's why so many acts of the 21st century are so complimentary about them. Now, having heard Wheel of Fortune, you can probably tell there's quite a distinctive Ace of Bass sound, but what was the origin of the song that was to become their big hit, All That She Wants? Well, that's what we're here to discuss. A little before Wheel of Fortune was released, the band had been working on another song, which kind of typified their pop reggae sound, and it was called Mr. Ace. With a lead vocal by Lynn and a rap by both Jonas and Ulf, they played about with its sound, but they were never quite satisfied with it. They eventually found the right sound when this song became a hit in Sweden, Another Mother by Kayo. probably already feel the vibe here. It's very similar, isn't it? And with this drum beat and a few attempts by the band to get it right, they finally sent a demo to the producer of Another Mother, Dennis Pop. And this is what Mr. Ace sounded like at the time. For the best, the band were gutted to hear that Dennis Pop hated the track. But fate would intervene, and the demo tape that they sent of Mr. Ace got stuck in Dennis's car, meaning he heard it all the time, over and over again, and eventually grew to like the track and just thought, oh, do you know what? I'm gonna do it. Earlier this year, Jonas wrote about the experience on the band's Facebook page and he explained that he got summoned by Dennis Pop once the demo reached them and Dennis gave them the chance to either record Moog Operator, which was another demo they'd done, or Mr Ace and they opted for Mr Ace and the venue was Sweemix Studio. Jonas said, We were all excited and once the date was set, he lent me the very car in which the demo cassette was stuck as we had to relocate to a temporary residence at Nora Malestrand in Stockholm. Jonas continues, Dennis Pop was particularly impressed with Malin's vocal timing skills. Precision timing ensured the continuity of the song as a singular track within the framework of a multi-channel setup. Thereafter, the flute section was recorded and Dennis blended it with the chorus at the end of the song together with Malin's ad-libs. The final version of the song did not contain the rap segment. Instead, we, all for me, were entrusted with the responsibility of generating whisper melody to replace the harmony. Jonas says it was a wonderful experience and describes Dennis as being an amiable genius, helping the band to create 
a sort of layered effect with the drums, up to five bass drums to give a really distinctive sound that others have tried to imitate but have failed. So this feels like a perfect time for me to play the multi-track and, and raise and lower the faders so we can listen to all the various elements in the song. What's really interesting is Lynn's vocals. They sound fantastic. On the finished track, they've got a lot of chorusing on them, but she's actually so perfect with her timing and her tuning. Really, really great voice. Let's listen to it now. Starting, of course, with that wonderful flute sample. Those various bass drums that were mentioned. There are a few loops going on that are repeated throughout the whole song, but are raised and lowered during the mixing process. Here's another one. It's really low in the final mix. Oh, and there's the piano. Once you woke up late in the morning light And the day had just begun She opened up her eyes and thought Oh, what a morning It's not a day for what What's interesting about Lynn's vocal recording is that it's got lots of compression already on it. So they'd committed to a certain sound when they were actually in the studio. Here's an instrumental really of the chorus with all that sort of reggae sound going on. That piano is fundamental to getting that offbeat reggae sound. And this is all the faders up, so you're hearing everything at the same level. And the whispered vocals from the boys. Let's listen to Lynn again. All the faders up again. Now I want to put focus on the bass line. Lovely 90s synth bass here. Lynn's backing vocals. I'll turn that loop off. And I'm not sure if this is Jenny's voice here. And it's certainly Jenny doing her own backing vocals here. snare drum used in this is very simple it's a Roland TR909 it's used in so many dance songs from the late 80s and 90s and of course on the final track this ending is really big and grows and grows but I'm just paring things down a bit so you can really hear all the little elements that go into the song
So there you kind of have it really, like some of the best pieces of art in the world, it's a really simple construction. It sounds fantastic. In that Facebook post from earlier this year, Yona says, The recording process was smooth and spanned over two days. Most of the work was completed on the first day. The second day was reserved for the maxi parts that would be required for the maxi version. The final day ended with the three of us, Ulf, Malin and me, taking a trip to a remote parking lot where we played the finished 7-inch single repeatedly at full blast. The night was magic. Well, the rest of the band did record vocals on that 12-inch or maxi version, but the multi-track that's leaked doesn't have any of that or any outtakes. I suspect it's highly edited and possibly out there somewhere is a fuller version. Who knows? But of course, on release, lots of people wanted to know what the song was about. Even a casual listen to the lyrics reveals three possible meanings. Either one, that the she of the song is wanting to get pregnant with yet another child, or two, that she wants to take another child from her mother, or three, that baby just means lover, and it's a slight Swedish misunderstanding of English. Well, apparently it's later. Ulf said, I think it was to our advantage that English was not our mother language. His quote comes from John Seabrook's book, The Song Machine. He goes on, because we are able to treat English very respectless and just look for that word that sounded good with the melody. And it's true, I honestly think part of the success of the song is because the meaning is quite bizarre to an English speaker um, and that just adds to its interest. Of course, Ace of Bass had a fantastic career. They never quite had the big hit again with All That She Wants globally, but there are lots of other songs which I'm sure you know, such as Like a Flower, Don't Turn Around, and of course The Sign, that's one of my favorites. Bands had a kind of checkered history. This is largely around the fact that Lynn sort of kind of stepped away from the band in 2002. A bit like Agneta from ABBA, she found fame quite difficult, she also found flying difficult, and she had problems with a stalker or two, and so she stood back from the band, but carried on recording with them until about 2005. The band sort of fell apart, but they have tried again. And although the songs are great and are still there, having two other females front the band doesn't really work, I think, for the fans who kind of really want Jenny and Lynn. But who knows what's going to happen in the future. If you've enjoyed this, and in particular me playing the multi-track, then if you're a patron of this podcast, you can hear me do the same with the multi-track of Don't Turn Around. Um, to become a patron, all you need to do is go to insidethehits.co.uk and follow the link and you get extra content after every episode. Next episode, I'll be doing another pop hit, probably dive back to the 70s or 80s this time. So if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please do. And also, tell others about it. Thanks again, and I'll speak to you very soon. Bye. Bye.